podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Listeners and welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey! Pod 150. Wow. What a landmark we've got to. And to celebrate that, we've got two very special guests. Uh, before we do that, I'm going to tell you that we've got some sponsors, of course. And our sponsors are JC Innovation and Strategy, the global research and brand consultancy from South London. Visit jc-is.com. And we've got Vector Printing for all your print and embroidery needs. Go to vector.co.uk and that's Vector with her. Okay. There we go, good, got the other one. We now call them Afterthought with an A. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, love, we love Vector as much as, as everyone. Um, so we've got some special guests, but before we get to them, we're going to get to our regular guest. Not that you're not special as well, but you're our normal guests. Kevin Day. Hello. Rob Sutherland. Hello. And Andy Street. Hello. And joining us to mark 150 FYP podcasts, um, we've got kind of becoming a pod regular now in a way, Steve Browett. Hi, hello. How you doing? Good, good, thanks. And making his pod debut on the FYP, uh, Damien Delaney. Hello. How's it going? Very good. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, chaps, okay, so uh, we've got a lot to get through because uh, let, let's start at Palace's last game, which is away at Spurs. The end of that three-game run that we looked at that we thought was a bit, a bit tricky with Chelsea, Man City and Spurs, um, and ended up in a 1-0 defeat. Um, Bit of a flat performance. Let, let's go to you know the man that played in the game probably for the first uh, thought. A little bit flat, Damien. Do any, I mean, what was the kind of mood in the camp after after that? One? Um, yeah, you know, we obviously weren't <clears throat> best pleased um, with with the result. Um, not only that, but the performance as well. Um, but on um, on the plus side, you know, when you wake up the next day, you look back at it and okay, we didn't play very well, um, and we only narrowly lost. And realistically, yawn hit the post and uh, back or. Pull the world class save out of the re. So, you know, they're your bad days uh, away at Spurs, and we're only really just getting beat. But having said that, you know, when you look back at the overall performance, it wasn't good enough. Um, but we understand that, um, and we all, we've already spoken about it this morning, and uh, we'll do our best to put it right. Doesn't it? Like, it shows how far the club have come that we've, we've been frustrated against Spurs and Man City recently. To, um, to lose those games and yet you know that, those are two of the top six teams in the league yeah absolutely I mean you know not long ago at all to even be playing them was something we'd look forward to yeah, and exactly. to be very narrowly losing to two very good teams who've, <coughs> who've both got in both of those teams you've got players who are worth more than our entire squad um, you know it's, it's, we've come a long way quite quickly and, and we are and we are you know, it is a shame that we lost those two games, and we we are we are uh, we were hoping to get more points from those games. But on the other hand, they were two tough games. The Man City game, I thought, it was actually a very good performance, yeah. um, and we were very unlucky to lose that. And uh, you know, I shouldn't. I don't think we should get too upset about it. A couple of seasons ago, we we hadn't got nine points after about three months. Yeah. Well, last last season, it took us twelve games to get twelve points. We beat Liverpool now took us to 12 points so we had 9 good points for 11 season before that we had 7 points after 12 games so it's much better but do you think the um, the brilliant array record has kind of set artificial expectations for the fans because now we almost expect Palace to go away anywhere attack and come away with something it's, it's listen I mean you know it's, fans' expectations are fantastic and, mm. and it's great for you guys to, to do that but we're um... not me everybody else <laughs> <laughs> I'm a pessimist yeah, we, we, um... <laughs> you're pointing at me <laughs> <laughs> 
we uh, we we try to deal in reality, mm. um, you know. And um, the fact of the matter is, yeah, we were all upset last night, but you know, today's a new day. We came in, we started afresh. I think when the fixture list came out, you look know, at the first six games. Realistically, I was half thinking if you had six, six, seven points, mm. you'd be doing okay. You know, kind of back in your mind, you're thinking if you're not on the bottom three after those opening games, you, you know, you've come through that period, and we've come through it with nine points. Well, the Chelsea it. performance and the result kind of bought you yeah. two games anyway because yeah. I, I think most of us f- thought three points out of those three games would have been all right. Really. Oh, if we'd drawn those three abs- games, ab- absolutely. If you'd drawn those yeah. three games, if we'd drawn every game so far this season, we'd have less points than yeah. we got. So, yeah, listen, it's, it's fine. Nine out of six, I'm pleased. We'd be taking six blocks of six in the first six to come out with nine. You know, even if we'd got a draw on on um, Sunday, maybe we'd have had ten. That would have been fantastic, but. We didn't, but it's fine. Like you said, it's behind us, and there's nothing we can do about it. And it's on to the next block of six. Yeah, I mean, it, the Spurs game was interesting because there was quite a lot of new players in the Spurs team. The, the lad that scored, Son Hyung Min, what's it like playing against someone like that? Because he was very speedy. Was very yeah, he's, he's quite he's intelligent. He's a good player. Um, and, and, and Chadley played pretty pretty well too. And, and you know, Harry Kane's a handful. Although you know, he's, he's probably getting a lot of criticism for not scoring, but he is. You know, his work rate is phenomenal, and he's a threat, and he runs in behind, which is difficult. Um, and he's always on the move, so they're, they're a good side, very, very good side. And I just think they just got the upper hand um, uh, in, in a lot of areas of the pitch. And then you're on the back foot and you're away from home, so it's it's difficult. But we hung in there, um, and you know we lost one nil. You know Alex, I think would be the first to say that maybe he should have done done better with it. I think he, he said that afterwards. So you know if Alex saves that, it might finish nil nil. Then it's a it's a great it's a great day for us, but. Fine margins, and uh, unfortunately, we just came up the uh, the wrong side. On uh, I can throw in a stat: Alex McCarthy has made the second most number of saves in the Premier League this season. 20, That's because the centre backs in front of him are very good. It's kind of if I can throw in an opinion. That's kind of I mean that's brilliant, but. It, if he's going to make a mistake a game that costs us a goal, then it doesn't matter how many saves he makes, does it? Really. True, but then the thing about being a goalkeeper is you, your mistakes are magnified because nine times out of ten they lead to goals. You know, every outfield player makes. Oh, no, no, I'm, not, I'm, playing, yeah. I'm playing devil's advocate. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's easy to make those stats, but it, you know, we, everyone talks about us being in the high level of the Premier League, and this, that one mistake is what's going to be remembered. Of course, yeah. never find margins. And, and yeah. He'll know yeah. that himself. I, I mean, of course. Playing against Harry Kane must be nice to come up against a gentleman centre forward compared to Costa, for example. He's a different kettle of fish, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, Harry's a, he's a reasonable, reasonable man. He's <laughs> 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 uh, putting a putting a moil to on He didn't swear at you in Spanish, then. No, he didn't. Uh, <laughs> no, he didn't. Uh, remember all my Spanish swear words from when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, it must have been because match of the day picked up on you and Costa as one of the highlights of that Chelsea game. Many highlights, yeah. but it was fascinating to watch their analysis of it because we don't normally see close up what's going on in the I mean it's like a rugby scrum isn't it when you're centre back against mm. a player like that well, when he's as, as, as direct as what he is and he plays up against you you know he's not like a you know an Aguero who drifts and roams and looks for pockets of space he likes playing up against you so you know you really are in each other's pockets for 90 minutes and um um, Costa was definitely in your pocket, wasn't he? No, well, no, I didn't. You're kind of that close to it, but um, <laughs> but you look like you're enjoying it, though. Is that, yeah, is that course, the right uh, word? Yeah, I mean, like when when I think what Diego probably hadn't realised is that I grew up in League Two, you know, <laughs> and believe me, there's a proper hard men down there, especially 12, 13 years ago. Yeah. You know, when I was a twenty-year-old kid against you know real horrible men, really, honestly, um, and uh, that's kind of where I was 
brought up. So dealing with people like Costa was is, is nothing new for me. I've, I've kind of grew up on that, so that's kind of my bread and butter, so to speak. So um, it didn't really worry me, to be honest with you. Would you that say was one of your sort of favourite personal performances? Um, other ones no, uh, no, there's, there's no, some games, but like when you win, obviously then that performance gets magnified. But I think I've had, you know, some some really good days in in a, in a pallet shirt. But when you don't get beat, you know, or you don't win, so you get beat, then you know maybe it doesn't show up as much. But um, it was it was a good day just for the result, really, you know, and um, just shows how far the club has come that we can go to Chelsea, who are champions, and. And, uh, and not only dig in and fluke a win, but I thought we, we fully deserved that. You hear Damien talking about playing in League Two, and now he's doing a really good job in the Premier League. It makes you wonder why more clubs don't look, because the instinct seems to be for promoted clubs in particular to look for foreign players rather than to look for players mm. that are as good that are playing well, you in the lower leagues. You know, you, you look at the success Palace have had, and half of our players have been free transfers or very very small fees from the lower. League, what you can mm. call the championship of the yeah. league in your case, but but you know, you know Yannick was um, was playing for Plymouth, wasn't he? And was it Barnet before Bristol that? Bristol City, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and uh, Glenn was playing for a minor minor club um, <laughs> yeah. in I don't know where that is. Rochdale. Com- 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 no, I'm thinking of the people in oh, the south yeah, of yeah. England. Yeah. The, the place where the rugby ground is where they play. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. the Happy Clappers. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, who else have we had? I mean, you know, there, there are lots of, of our players. I mean, several times last season in the Premier League, the end of last season, we had seven players who'd played in the Championship. Yeah. But has that, has, that been, has that been one of the reasons then that, that um, this team has progressed so well? I think it's definitely dangerous to, to do, like, for example, what Watford have done, although they seem to be doing all right, but to completely change your team. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that we've always had at Palace is we've got a spine. You know, you've got, you've got Mila, you've got Julian, you've got, you've got Damo, we had Glenn, we, we, we've had, and, and, and Paddy McCarthy, we, we've had really solid characters in the dressing room. Yeah. And, you know, you, you can bring in some superstar players who, who, you know, are all fantastic players, but I don't think you want to change it too much too quickly. Obviously, you change it eventually, but little by little. But it's just in terms of them not getting a chance at other clubs. I mean, it seems to be changing a little bit this year with Bournemouth sticking with most of their team. But the instinct uh, seems to be that people don't. I, I think, think that's the point. You get people that have a point to prove, right? You know, because I mean, look at Yannick was released by Bristol City. Mm. I finished up at Ipswich. Mila came in from Turkey. Uh, Moza before he was in Rochdale played for. Um, an amateur team in North Carolina he went out there for six months you know so you think a lot of people when you get that kind of amalgamation of players with so much to prove the energy that creates um, to propel everything forward is really what what helped and I had a similar situation when I when I left Leicester City when I was young and I played for Hull you know um, Peter Taylor was the manager at Hull at the time we were like in the division three and he signed a load of like 21 22 year old kids who were like released from Premier League clubs and then all of a sudden you had like seven players coming in and we all had chips on our shoulder. Mm. You know, we all really did feel that we were hard done by and, and I think when that energy is kind of like managed right and pointed in the right direction, it can be pretty forceful. And I think it was similar at, at Palace when, when we all came in. I think we all had pretty big chips on it, we still do. So <laughs> <laughs> how easy is it though to keep that to keep that kind of unity or that that chemistry going because it must be a quite sort of a balancing act for the manager isn't it, it could yeah change, that's, I guess. that's, uh, that's the, the the management's job really you know um but the the board and and, and steve 
Broughton, Steve uh, Paris have done really, really well in bringing in right characters, you know, the right people that fit into the philosophy of, of the football club and what what this football club demands. And I think every player that, that signed within one or two days realizes, oh, there's things different here. Mm. You know, there's a, a, an expectancy. And I think what's really, really good about it is players that don't buy into it, just they don't last, you know. And I think that the, it's almost like the cool kids do this and join in if you want to be part of that. And I think everybody joins in to do that. And people that don't want to do it, they just get cast aside, you know. Mm. But it is a cliche in football, isn't it? Like, oh, they're they're a good bunch of lads. They're a good they're a good unit. But I guess Palace are a proof of that 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 is true. That can happen. Yeah, I mean, listen, there's, there's loads of good units out there, but. It, it, we genuinely, we do actually socialise together an awful lot of the players, you know, we have group chats going and things and um, WhatsApp and, uh, you know, there's only 12 people on that and if that ever got published, I think we'd all be locked Did you find when you, when you stepped up to the Premier League that it was, like, at what point did you realise, I mean, did you realise that it, it, there was a step up? Was it, was it a case of, of kind of, going into training and just doing what you normally did or was it a case of playing a couple of games and being like now we know what we need to no, now we know what's expected um, for me like the way I looked at it and the way I still kind of look at it is I deserve to be there more than anyone because mm. I've earned it yeah. I think a lot of people get bought on the proviso that they've got potential that they've got this or they've come from another league and I always think well you've been given a free chance you've been, you know I've been promoted out of every division so if you're telling me that I don't belong here, well, <laughs> no chance. So when I showed up, I was just I looked around. I just thought I deserve more than any of you people, <laughs> and that's just the way I still look at it. You know. You didn't say it, didn't say it out loud, though, did you? No, of course not. You never, <laughs> say, you never, you never say that. Like, no, I'm not talking about my own teammates because they're all similar. But you know, when you look at the opposition that you're playing against, you're like, yeah, you guys are very good players, but yeah. you haven't been to Lincoln away on a Tuesday night. Yeah. and dug in and got a nil-nil you know you haven't done some of the you know washing your own kit when I was at Hull and not having a training ground and you know washing your own boots and, and even knowing you know Adidas send you like whatever you want because it's such a high profile league I remember going into JJB wearing my boots when I was at Hull a professional footballer having, you know and that was wow. that was how it was and, yeah. and I'll never never forget that and that's why when I am here I just enjoy every minute of it because so that, that's basically the chip on your shoulder in some ways that you're, you talk about that, that kind of that is the thing that drives you it's the, almost the memories of dealing with that as well no not really because I, I wouldn't change those memories for, yeah. for the world I think they're, they're, they're all part of what kind of brings you to where you are in, in your career but I'm never going to have an inferiority complex against anyone or, or anywhere that I go in because, like I said, you know I've been promoter of every division and, and never been bought up a division. I've had to like work to get out of it or work to get out of every division, which ain't easy. And it took about twelve years. <laughs> well, I suppose the managers had a similar. Sort. I mean, it's there's a new book that's come out with Alan Pardew's interviews, and that he talks quite fondly about his days when he was still working as a glazier and playing part-time football, and that he. He, he, the journey he's been on, for want of a better word, makes him feel the same way that he's earned every every penny that he, he's worth every penny that he earns. But he's as good as anybody else, despite the fact that he's come from this background that other managers might see as a bit too humble for the Premier League. So he, all, he didn't he didn't make it as a professional footballer till he was twenty six. Yeah. I think. I mean, he joined Palace having been at Dulwich, Hamlet, White, Yeovil, who weren't in the league at the time, mm-hmm. um, somewhere else, and. You know, they used to read the team sheets out at Sullust and you get, you know, they could go number eight, Pardew, and you get booed, you know, for whatever number he was. 
you know, it, it was tough for him early yeah. on, and he, that was a real school of hard knocks around. But then he became a bit of a hero eventually. And um, well, every Steve Koppel, I mean, every second program that was Steve Koppel saying, "Stop booing him." I wouldn't pick him if he wasn't a really good player, but he does a job that you don't, you can't necessarily see as football fans. But yeah. to, I wouldn't dream of asking you what Alan Pardew says in private, but in public, he always seems to say the right thing about the player. I thought what he said after the Tottenham game when he said. This is a really good team. I know good teams, and this is a really good team. They just need to tighten up in various bits. I mean, that's that's a really good way of publicly pl- pra- acknowledging that it wasn't a good result, but praising you, which I guess is what footballers want to hear in public, at least, isn't it? Um, I don't know. I don't really read anything, to be honest with you. Right. So I don't really. Um, I don't know. I didn't know what he said after the game. Right. Honestly, I don't listen to him. But he does what he always does. He never he never criticises individual players, and he he said. It wasn't our best performance, but it's I recognise a good team and I see it and this is a good team. Yeah. It's just they weren't as good as they could be today. But it's like so he never lays into the players, never lays into the team. But I, I think it's good for the fans to get because we've had other managers in quite recent times whose first attitude is to deflect criticism from them by having to go at the players and the team. But as a fan, you don't want to see that happen. You want you want the manager in public. I'm sure Steve agrees. You want the manager in mm. public to. To pick on the positives rather than managing expectations, oh, yeah. really, isn't it? As well, it's it's because I think I think for for fans it was probably frustrating looking at the Warnock time where he would every time, even when we lost, I'm having a great time. This is a wonderful, wonderful adventure for for me. You know, it was a bit. It just got you got the kind of wrong impression with him, and then Pardy comes in, and again, I think he knows how to manage the fans' expectations in a way that he understands how to communicate with us. And I'm sure he probably does as, does with players as well. You know, he's not a he's not an idiot. And so he, he, the stuff that he comes. He's out a and smart says, guy, and he's a very experienced manager, yeah. and he's in the right place. Yeah. You know, he, he loves Palace. It's it's. Uh, so having said that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't well. after interviewing him when he was in a good mood and the Player of the Year do. I wouldn't <laughs> like to interview him when he was in a bad mood. <laughs> <laughs> we all, we all enjoyed that. that apart from you. <laughs> Brought it up at every single podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but what have, like Damien, from a player's point of view, what have has, has Alan done, and 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 Tony Pulis, I guess, to an extent as well, that did make things turn around so quickly? Like, what, what, what have we? What did he talk? Oh, listen, man. I mean, you can't turn water into wine. You know, it's like it wasn't rocket science. I think uh, Ollie is uh, in Holloway as much as, uh, as as I love him. He wanted to go a different route, and maybe he didn't have the tools at hand. To go as quickly as what he want. I think all he wanted, what we are, no. Yeah. But he wanted it overnight, and I think he just went a little bit too quick, you know. And I was, remember him saying, and um, very early on, I won't do his accent, but it was funnier in his accent that he wanted <laughs> Palace to play like Barcelona, <laughs> and and he thought, I mean, yeah, we all want that, but. Oh, some funny Ollie stories. <laughs> I'm, but, sure but he, the I'm sure he I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying but he'd taken over Dougie's team and he soon realised that playing it the Dougie way was the, the way that that team wanted to play. Yeah. Mm. Not playing like It was the only way we could play, you know, which was just being like difficult and horrible and pacey cone attacking team and, and I think he you know, he wanted to change that overnight. Um, and maybe we didn't get it we weren't good enough maybe we didn't he couldn't get his point across we couldn't take it on board I don't know what it was but for whatever reason it came out and I think in fairness to, to TP when he came in he just looked at what he had and he just went he used to call he called us ham and eggers you know which is just bog standard and he just put a bog standard way of playing mm-hmm. in for us 
but it suited us like you said you know you, you can't turn water into wine definitely not overnight and uh, TP just put a plan in place and uh, and then when you start getting results and you see that it's working you know I think the whole game away when TP first took over was was massive you know to get that 1-0 win away Keith came in mm-hmm. Keith put those building blocks kind of in place and then we went there and won then all of a sudden there's a, a good feeling within the camp and everyone and TP comes in Monday morning and he's got a great job because he's coming into a a changing room that's like Brilliant. buzzing after winning their first game or whatever it was or first game in God knows how long um, and then obviously he, we just went from there really. we've had Keith on the pod a few times and he's always been very sort of modest about the role that he's played multiple times coming in but as a player like how important has he been as a, as a constant Keith's steady like you know he's, a, he's you know what you're going to get from him from him every every day you know he's a he's a, a solid personality in quite Emotionless, if in a good way, you know, he never really gets too despairing and he never gets too excited. Which, when you're kind of on the floor, is what you want, you know, you want someone who just stands there and is just like, even if he doesn't know what's going on, at least he looks like he does, <laughs> you know, and then at least then we kind of go, okay, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> so going, what am I doing here? <laughs> But that that um, that dogginess from the from from the Dougie times, uh, and then you know Pulis used that as well. That's that element is still there in the team, isn't it? So that when the backs are against the wall, you still kind of revert to that. Or you, you, yeah. got, you can you know how to play different games when they develop. I think what really sets you um, sets sets it apart is when when you've had a bad result. You know, um, I think even when uh, when Neil went last year. The most turn, crucial turning point was when we had the two nil nils away at Villa and away at QPR. Now, I mean, they were probably the most unmemorable games that <laughs> any Palace fans probably ever been to. Yeah. But it was important for us just to like stop the rot and just go, okay, hang on a minute, we've put two points on the board here, and we're, you know, now there's a manager coming in, and it just kind of gave everyone a, and then having the Dover game away as as, as the Gaffer's first game was huge, Perfect. you know, because yeah. now we can just say this is how I want to play, and then we go and we. Trounced them, whatever I can't remember what the score was, but we, we, you know, it was a comfortable enough afternoon, and then all of a sudden that good feeling is back, and then we're running into the Spurs game. So all of a sudden, though, from being on the floor, you've gone a draw, two draws, two nil nil draws, and then you've battered Dover, and then went and beat Spurs, and now all of a sudden, if I can, if I can bring it back to the start of the pod, which is what a good host would do. Um, we, you're talking about uh, recovering from a defeat. We have just lost to Spurs, so so. What now? For how do you recover? Ah, from listen, that? hang on a minute. You got nine points after six games. You got beat off Spurs. It's not the end of the world, you know. You know, you come in tomorrow, but when you've been beat four on the spin and you're like got two points in the bottom three and everyone's riding you off, mm-hmm. that's when you're really tested and that's when you really, you know, ask questions and then you kind of really see who wants to. You, know, you come in on Monday morning, you see, okay, who really wants to do this? Who really mm-hmm. wants to to step up here? And. Um, Fortunately, we've got people that, that react well to those challenges. Is it, I mean, you say being written off, this, this is the first time almost in my lifetime I can remember that everyone's not writing Palace off. Everyone is backing Palace to be dark horses or whatever. Is that, is that, does that make an added pressure? Or you say you don't listen to stuff, but do you get that kind of vibe sometimes that Palace no, are the really. one people are backing? Like you said, we try our best to deal in reality, and reality is like day in, day out for us, building for each game as it comes along. Um, we prepare the same way for Watford that we did for Chelsea. Some days it goes through, some days it doesn't. You know. For you as an individual, you had quite a difficult time at Ipswich, didn't you, before you came to Palace? Did you find that was it was it refreshing for you to, to kind of get this this new opportunity, maybe? Or I, I mean, we, we, without going into 
detail about what happened at Ipswich. It, you just, it just didn't work out, did it? I mean, you were, I'd, I'd heard somewhere that you were thinking of even retiring, perhaps. Um, when you got the call from Dougie, what, what was that? How did, how did that come about and what made you...? Um, how did it come about? I just kind of had, it, I'd had enough, to be honest with you. you know, I just wasn't enjoying it anymore. I think you're not enjoying something. Anything you just don't want to do anymore, and I wasn't enjoying it. So um, I went and I saw the people at um, Ipswich and said to them, "Look, I don't really want to be here. You don't really want me here." I wasn't getting on with the manager at the time. Um, team wasn't doing really that well, and I kind of three years of struggles. And then I just said, "Look, you know, let's just call it a day, really." And they said, "Yeah, that's fine." Um, and then uh, I think it was on the Friday, uh, the Thursday night, I was. I, I, I was the first time I was unemployed, yeah. so I'm sitting at home and I was just like, I actually don't have a job. <laughs> you know, I was like, wow, which is kind of a reality check. You're kind of like, and then um, out of nowhere, Dougie just phoned me, and I think Paddy just got injured. Um, Palace hadn't started the season very well. Um, and Dougie phoned me, and I said to Dougie, I said, look, my heart's not here anymore. I said, I'd be doing you a disservice if I came down. I'd be robbing you guys because you know I don't want to do it anymore. And um, and he was pretty persistent and he just said, he said, look, just, I was flying back to Ireland that Friday and I was going to go to Stansted and go home and then Dougie just said, he said, just do me one favour, come come down, meet me at the that aerodrome hotel there, you know. So he said, oh, I'll get you a room there tonight, uh, come down uh, and just have breakfast with me, that's all I want you to do. And I was just like, all right, fair enough. So I went down on the Friday. Uh, met Dougie at breakfast with him and he was he was fine. He said, just come over to training ground. <laughs> and looking back, I just I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking, Dougie, Dan, he's just like, you know, and, and I, obviously I knew Dougie from playing against him and, and just, I didn't really know him that well, you know, but, um, and he just said, just come over to training ground. So, and this is actually how it went and they went over to training ground and he said to me, um, just, he said, look, just, do you want to train? And I was like, well, all right, and you're playing this afternoon. And then I was like, I was kind of going, yeah. And then like, and then and when I walked into the palace change room, there was a lot of players that I'd known. You know, Aaron Wilbraham, who I played with, um, uh, Peter Ramage, uh, Darcy Blake. There was all players that I'd known, and and there was just a, I don't know. There was a good feel. There was just something just felt right, and I trained, and I actually enjoyed it. It was the first time I enjoyed a training session, and like. A long time, and I was just like, "Yeah, this is all right." And then Dougie said, "Look, what, do you want to sign? Do you want to just do a three-month deal?" And I was like, "All right, fine." And he said, oh, "By the way, you're starting tomorrow against Sheffield." <laughs> <laughs> you know, so all of a sudden, I've gone from like going home to Ireland to like staying in. in I didn't have any boots, and we had nothing, so I just like got some boots, and then uh, we beat Sheffield Wednesday. Did you think there. you'd be where you are now when you? No, not at all. Not at all. I, you know, I've said this before, you know, there's something quite liberating about just going down there with no expectations. It was just, you know, it was without sounding too bad, it's like it's, when you hit rock bottom, it's kind of like you, you things have got so bad that you'd give up, you know, that you'd actually just go, I don't want to do this anymore. So for me, any day from that day forward is just the biggest bonus ever, you know, for me to be able to come in every day and do it is just... And I try and keep my mind set in that mind, you know, in that frame of mind, just enjoy it because... I know what it's like to not enjoy it. And um, I think Moses scored two against Sheffield yeah, Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really interesting to hear you talk about because you listen to any football phone in or you listen to any fans in pubs and the perception is that players 
or just sit there on the bench taking the money. So it's really interesting to hear that you were honest enough to say to two clubs basically that I'm not, my heart's not in it. I'm robbing you. Yeah. I'll walk away because most fans wouldn't expect a senior <sighs> footballer to say that. I mean, I presume you can't be the only person. To be fair, that. what Steve Parrish gave me. You was robbing me, even for three months. It was you, Steve. I was getting paid more than I was getting paid. It was early days. Yeah. Yeah. So that was just it. You were doing so well then as well, yeah. You were doing so well. Listen, I can't even remind Steve of that all the time. I say, listen, what you paid me for three months, you owe me. (laughs) But maybe it felt like a perfect match because Palace were a team that only two years before that had had been at rock bottom as well. You know, nearly gone out of business before Steve had had, had stepped in. So maybe it kind of felt like a sort of perfect marriage, player to club. Yeah. I think you've, that's also, right. you've also been a pivotal point for our defence as well. I mean, we've every defender that's come in has played alongside you. Um, is that? Do you think that that's like you're 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 not the, the club captain, I guess? But do you find that that's you, you take that responsibility as being your own? You know, leading the defence and making sure people know their responsibility. I don't. You know, like you talk about. I, I try not to think about stuff. Okay. It's like yeah. you just be who you are, and if that's good enough, then great. Right. You know, you just try and do what you can do and. If that's enough, then great. And the day that that's going to come soon, where people just say, "Look, thanks, we're we're going again in another direction," and that's fine because I realise I'm not getting any younger. So, and that's fine. There'll be no hard feelings. There'll be nothing. I'll shake everyone's hand and say it's been emotional and and get on with my life. You know, and that's yeah. that's just football. So every day I just come in and try and be who I am and do what I do. And as long as the gaffer's happy with that, and as long as my teammates are happy with that, then I'll continue to do that. But there'll come a day where where it won't be. Well, this first part has also been emotional, so let's wrap it up there. Uh, in, in part two, we've got questions from our listeners, uh, so join us in a bit. Uh, hello, listeners. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey. Pod 150, uh, and we're sponsored by JC Innovation and Strategy, the global research brand consultancy from south london visit jc-is.com i nearly ruined that one and um also vector printing for all your print and embroidery needs go to vector.co.uk that's vector with her okay. it doesn't get half the enthusiasm you used to give it okay no since, since really came in. since the really long sponsors came in yeah yeah i try and make it even because jc's bigger than vector vector know that we love them they've been I'm here long enough south london yeah yeah. Stop trying no, to no, think no. twice about giving us our beer money, Kev. Okay. Why would you do this? Uh, so part two, um, as always, is questions uh, from our listeners. We've got a lot of questions this week, so I try and crack on with them. Uh, a, lot, a lot of them are for Damien, so I want to head straight in. Um, a lot of them are themed around uh, your battle with Costa a few weeks ago. People asking that. And Jordan... Hello, Jordan. Hi, Jordan. Hello. ...has said, after such a brilliant battle with Costa, can you remember the last striker to give you such a physical mm. challenge? Oh, um, yeah, I used to get bullied a lot when I was a kid. <laughs> when I was a young footballer, um, there was a guy who used to play for Oxford in what's now League Two, a guy called Julian Alsop. Mm-hmm. He was just, a, a, you know, not a very pleasant guy to play against. The um, the guy down at uh, Bournemouth, remember him, Fletcher? Yeah. yeah. He used to roll his sleeves up, roll his biceps. <laughs> yeah. He's got a stand named after him now. As well. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, as a 21, 22 year old centre back just starting out, and then you've got that guy whose basic 
um, uh, philosophy of football is if he can't win the header, he's going to head your head. <laughs> wow. You know, um, and that happened a few times, you know, um, down the lower leagues, that's what you tend to get. Um, Did you ever play against Dean Windows? Yeah, I played with Dean Windows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at Hull. <laughs> um, yeah, he was... Uh, yeah, Dino was. Yeah, he's a he's a good guy. I played against him when he was at Bradford yeah. when I was at Holland and stuff like that. Um, but I, I used to room with him actually at uh, at Hull, me and him, which was a was fairly unpleasant <laughs> experience <laughs> uh, when you think of your atypical northerner <laughs> from Hull. <laughs> um, he liked a pint a pint, did he? Think? Oh my god, he liked a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> he's really funny. He's a really he's a really interesting talker now because he talks about. He can so, talk now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd love him to say that because I, I used to room with him and it was just slurs. Oh, God. <laughs> like permanently something happened to 12 points. He's really interested about having to leave football and not knowing what it was going to be like and how difficult and how he wishes he'd, he'd retain more memories of playing the game because he loved it. He only realised oh, he loved it. The guy played till he was 14. He was like 39. He was when he kept the hole. Yeah. He was. He used to keep himself in good shape. He said, like, he liked the um, he liked the drink and whatever. But he used to keep himself really, really well. He was, he was a good guy. Actually, I learned a lot from him. I bet. Do you yeah. prefer the physical battle sometimes rather than um, some nippy little? Not really. Like you know, you just got to accept that I'm quite boring. If I'm being honest, with you, you know, it's just it is what it is, man. Yeah. I can't really like you know. I don't prefer certain things. It's right. just if someone puts someone something in front of you. You got to deal with it, you know. You got to assess it quickly and do the best you can with it. I mean, I don't get excited or worried or depressed over any of it. It's just what's there is there. It's going to happen. You got to deal with it as best you can. You talk about being a young centre back coming through. Is it harder for, at the moment for young centre backs to come through at a high level Championship Premier League? Because we've talked in the previous pod about there hasn't really been a young centre back at Palace that's kind of come through. Is it a difficult position? A difficult position. It's. Um, a lot of it is done on instinct, a lot of it is done on experience and feel, um, especially at, um, at the top level. Like I know a lot of people you know, might think you're having a quiet game, but a lot of it is like just blocking up passing lanes, mm. making midfield players check out and go somewhere else. You know, If you can fill those gaps early and get there early enough, you will make midfield players check out and go to a full-back, and then you've done a great job. And not a lot of people obviously see that type of thing, so it's about sliding and sliding across and reading passing lanes and where they want to go and... And you getting there first, so they got to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So and you've played in midfield and left back, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, I played everywhere, me man, everywhere. We, we we always get a feeling you'd like to go up front. Yeah, Pard took that out of me though. I think after two that, days, that Liverpool went, game when we were three 0 down. Yeah, and you just went for it. Didn't I think you? The first day in training, I did that with Pards, and he went, "That don't happen with me, son." <laughs> <laughs> and I went. Message received. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will stay firmly in my place. <laughs> okay, uh, the next question is from Jack Pierce. Hey, Jack. Hey, Jack. He says, uh, Damo, you're a very handsome, handsome man. Oof. Would you say you're the most handsome in the current squad? Um, my wife has got Johan Kabai as her screensaver. Wow, really? <laughs> yep. Is that why you've grown the beard? <laughs> <laughs> Trying desperately to look like him. It's not going to work. Um, Started drinking wine and everything. I don't know, man. Yohan's a good looking guy, so mm. I think, you know, I'll give it to him as well. That's, oh, that's, a, good, that's a good option. Good question. <laughs> good choice. There were quite a lot of questions like that, weren't there? Um, Shumaka, the next... Shumaka will be upset that he is this. 
Sham is definitely not here this. <laughs> no way Sham is as we've said this mo- As we've said multiple times, Shamas will be fine if you just sorted out the, well, the no, hair issue. You can listen to this for two hours. Sham couldn't care like, about a lot. Like, he just, you know, Sham doesn't even know there is a podcast. <laughs> Although, to be fair, Danzy would be upset if I didn't give him a mention for the best looking. Really? Yeah, I think okay. Danzy fancies himself as a bit of a looker. <laughs> Uh, okay, next speaking, question. Sorry, speaking of Dan, was, was he a bit perturbed by all the, the fuss Man City tried to make about his tackle last week? They tried to make a much uh, bigger Aguero. issue out of it, the, the tackle on Aguero. Was he... I don't even know, man. It wasn't even mentioned. Right, that's good. So I don't really know, to be honest with you. What it was a, I think most Palace fans thought the over, City overreacted big time towards um, it this time tackle, didn't they? I don't, I don't know, I didn't see it, so I don't really, I don't really know. Yeah. And then the one that was it, Torre did Torre run on the Yeah, took him out. Yeah. Okay. Next question is from Luke Hodgson. Hey, Luke. Luke. It's Hello. for Damien, and it says, uh, "What was your image of the Palace fans before you joined, and and how is it now?" Um. Honestly, I came in with no expectations, so I didn't know. I, you know, I mean, listen. The one thing I did know is I always enjoyed playing sellers when I was, you know. And I was like a reasonably good results when I came here with with, um, <laughs> yeah. with that Hull, happened a lot yeah. <laughs> with Hull and Ipswich, you know, and and I always did like playing there. Um, yeah, I'll tell you one of my biggest memories actually. It was we played Palace when I was at Ipswich. Um, it was in April sometime and the Grand National was on. They showed the Grand National on the big screen. <laughs> and one of my memories was playing centre back looking at that. During the game. They played the Grand National. Yeah, I remember nice. playing centre back and uh, looking up watching the Grand National. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a memory from. Uh, from yeah, nice. look it up. There's it was board. obviously a, a tactic to put you off. I, well, I just thought there's not many people who show the Grand National. Yeah, the, palace, the, uh, <laughs> the Palace Scouts had done their research. Yeah. They heard that Ipswich, they knew Ipswich that. was a team of gamblers. That is a fact, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you seem to have quite a, a good relationship with the Palace fans now. You're a bit of a fan's fave at the moment. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I, Did you not realise that? Everyone no, loves Dane. I didn't know yeah. that, to be honest yeah. with you. I don't. Um, ah, listen, the fans have been great. It's been some great times over the last three or four years, and they've been immense. And I think the, 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 the support we get, even when we're not winning, um, one one memory for me was when we went uh, the first year we were up, went to the Emirates, and we were two 0 down with ten minutes to go, and the Arsenal fans were leaving, mm. yeah, and not one Palace fan left, and we were attacking that end, and, uh, and I remember eighty eight minutes, and the game was just dying out, Arsenal were just killing it with their passing, and we were just kind of going, come on, just blow the whistle, it's done, and and the Palace fans were still celebrating down in the far corner, yeah, and that is that is one a, a memory that sticks with me. I do remember that. You know, all the, the the fans were singing and jumping, and flags was going. I just thought, fair play, because a lot of people would be thinking it'd be good to beat the traffic, <laughs> you know, or get the tube, or or, or we'll go and have a, a pint or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, but to a man, that was packed, and I think even in injury time, the Emirates was half empty mm-hmm. except that corner in, in the thing, and not only were they still there, they were still singing. So it's a bit of a cliche, isn't it, talking about when people talk about fans kind of lifting the players, but like in the game against Liverpool, for example, when we drew three all. Um, that moment when you scored that goal, that changed to, to us as as a fan. I think it just changed the way that we were thinking about that match, and it the whole ground lifted. Do you find that 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 can play a part? As in that 
hearing that noise, or is it just a case of you just you're doing your focus so much? No, I think it's, it's it, you know it's important. I think you know all those great stories is like Steve said earlier. You know from where the club came from to then be playing at the Emirates. I think there was definitely a kind of whoa, we actually here. This is amazing. We're just going to enjoy the ride. We're probably going to get relegated. I think a lot of fans were probably thinking, maybe not a lot of fans, but I think maybe there was a feeling like, you know what, this might be a yeah, one-year, yeah, yeah. this might be a one-year, a one-year deal. You know, if we, if we, if we, let's just enjoy it. If we go down, at least we've got some money, or whatever. And I just think that as a club progresses, it's important that that people don't lose that. The fans, you know, don't get away from that and start. All of a sudden, we lost at Spurs, and now like, oh my God, we're a terrible team. You know, if people can just always remember the roots of where they came from, because it's easy to get carried away and get excited and set expectations so high, and you know, everyone wants to sign every player under the sun, and all of a sudden, now we said people they ask me about Champions League, and I'm going, are you people on drugs? Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> you know, exactly. like what? People are talking about it, but it's, it's so stupid. It's yeah. like, are you guys crazy? Like, you know, if we get forty points this year, okay, we'll, we'll be all upset, but okay. That's the main aim. Like, that's the priority this year. Now, if we get 40 points in December or we get it on the 14th of May, I don't care. Yeah. As long as we get it. Now, if we get 40 points, then we can readjust and re- reset the goals and whatever. But, you know, we're only in this league three years and we're building and yeah. it's a slow process. And I just hope, I hope, and I don't think it's Palace fans will, but I just hope people don't start getting carried away. Do the, the players ever get carried away? Or is it, is no. it easier as players to come in and focus and just get on with it? No, we don't. No. No one at Palace, none of the staff, no one's getting. No. Champions League! That would never happen. I'd soon ruin it, don't worry. <laughs> 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 I'd still drop a dose of reality on it. Like, right. <laughs> you talk about Arsenal fans and Palace fans. One of the reasons, is that, and it's partly the reason you're so popular, is because Arsenal, with one or two exceptions, haven't got players that are from their background. We've, we've Palace have always had, even the team with. Of the nineties, there was always three or four players that were local or from that battled to get where they got. And Palace fans have always related to players like that. And when you see players that have struggled in the same way most people in the crowd have struggled, it's much easier to get behind them and to give them your support than if you've got a team that's buying every player under the sun. It's like it's, it's Watford. I've got a couple of mates who are Watford fans. They're loving what's happening, but at the same time, it's hard for them to identify with with the players, apart from Deeney to an extent, because yeah. most of them are new and most of them haven't come from a background that they know, but we've always had. So, yeah, we've still got so many players who played in the playoff final, and that's, that helps the experience when you're yeah, traveling away from important, home. Yeah, it's yeah. very important, Yeah, I, I spoke to Ian Dowie about that one, because I was at QPR when Ian got the job, yeah. and Ian used to live, I, I used to live in Chiswick, and Ian lived there as well. Yeah. So I got to know Ian reasonably well, just, you know, whatever, I had a few coffees with him, whatever, and, and we spoke about when Palace got promoted with him, and he said one of the, I don't want to say mistakes, but he said one of the things he probably would change is, no, I don't know because you guys tell me better, but he said he went foreign quick and went for names. Yeah. And yeah. he recognised... Javier Yeah. He recognised that. He said, yeah. I should have stuck with what got me where I was. Yeah. And, but he said, I just... Mm, he just said, no, like you said, you guys will know that better than me, but he did admit that to yeah. me on, on one occasion. And I just thought, yeah. And he said, if I ever go up, he said, you guys will be... If we ever went up with QPR, he said, you guys would be... No, he got sacked about a week later, but. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting at QPR. They, you know, a player like Clint Hill mm. has has lasted there and, yeah. and stayed yeah. in the first team yeah. when all these mercenaries have come and gone. Yeah. And Clint Hill 
who's not the most talented footballer in the world, but you, you'd want him in your team. Yeah, the offense love him as well. Yeah, and, and he was great at Palace. Yeah, we did, yeah. The next question is from Molly Road Knight. Hi, Molly. Great. Yeah. 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 Uh, to Damien says, does leading the team out as captain affect how you view the game? Uh, no. Good, okay. Well, <laughs> 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 doesn't, change, doesn't change anything in terms of no. the way you talk to Not the players? Not from me, it doesn't. No? No, no. I mean, listen, we've always said this from day one, that for any team to be successful, you can't have one leader. You'll need five or six, mm. you know, and... Um, if Mila's playing or I'm playing or Danzi wears it, you know, it doesn't matter. You need five or six that will complement each other quite well, so you just... See, I think Palace fans need to hear that as well, though, because it's, you know, there's that, this kind of emphasis that one guy leads, but no. obviously Jesus that's not the case. One guy couldn't lead, it would be impossible, you know. you got to have five or six, and I think we're lucky that we've got five or six personalities that kind of, you know, you got Punch, who's really vociferous and moans and you know but that's leading in a way you know and then you've got Mele who's who's reasonably you know quiet and you know just goes about his business and leads how he does and then Danzi does what he does and, and, and obviously I do what I can do um, so you need to compliment you can't just have one leader who's either vociferous or leads by doing you need you have to have it you know so okay the next question is from Tony G Hi, Tony. Hi, Tony. Uh, he says Damo what's been your most enjoyable result at Palace most enjoyable result. It's on your arm, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, I've got a tattooed on my arm. No, it's not the most. That's not the best one, man. No. no. What have you got tattooed on your arm? Uh, this is a playoff date, really. Uh. I went to see. Um, I went to see uh, Eric Clapton the week of the playoff final, and um, I'm obviously a big Clapton fan, and uh, he's got a song called "Running on Faith." And I just thought to myself, if we won, if we won, I said I get that tattooed on me with the date underneath it. Nice. So I just got that um, nice. put on my arm. Uh, my most memorable result. You'll all laugh at it. It's so stupid. <laughs> but like um, Millwall away, fourth last game of the season when we drew nil nil. Nil nil. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Why? Because this shit was about to hit the fan, <laughs> <laughs> and it was like all of a sudden we'd gone from like second or third to fifth. And then the, the vultures started circling and I just thought, okay, if, if, if we drop over the playoffs, we're not getting back in. Yeah. You know, it was like one of them ones where it's like, if we don't, and it was a rearranged game, I think, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And it was a horrible night and it was just an awful game. And with me and Gabs, Danny Gabs played centre back and we were just like, look, Gabs, if we get a draw here, we'll go back to fourth or something. And it was just like, we'll give ourselves some breathe. And, and we finished that season with like four or five draws on the spin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of thinking five points will do it, and me and Gabs are going, look, four nil nils does it for us, man. You know, <laughs> just limp in the playoffs. We get a ten day rest. We'll reassess everything. Yeah. You know, and I just think that if Millwall had beat us, we probably would have dropped out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And then I think once you're out, then the whole the balloon bursts and you never get back yeah. in. And I just think me and Gabs were just looking into the whole game, going, "This is going to be disgusting." <laughs> As in, like, this is not going to be a pleasant night. It, the pitch was terrible. Everything was just horrific, and it was just like, you know what, man? Let's just get a nil-nil and go home. And me and Gabs just headed, kicked, smashed everything, and we just went right. And we finished nil-nil, and it kind of, if you if we lost one nil, it kind of, like I said, it just rips the arse out of it. And it's kind of like. Oh, Whereas the nil of the draw, people just kind of go and go, well, it's all right. Yeah. You know, it was a local derby as well. So if we'd yeah. lost to our local rivals, the fans probably would have just like deflated quicker than anything. And and I think that was, that, that for me is always is, is the biggest result, just to get a nil-nil. And then I think we played someone on a Saturday and drew again 
Barnes, I think it was, and then we beat thing in the last game of the season, Peterborough. Peterborough. Yeah. You know, and I just think that nil nil was just crucial just to keep the whole thing together without falling apart. But we did go back to basics, didn't we, at that point? Like by basics I mean like that kind of defensive um, kind of Yeah. Uh, listen, that was there was no tactics involved in any of that. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, there was nothing. It was just literally we're not dropping out of the playoffs and it was just sheer will more than anything else you know and when you got when we got into the playoffs did that you said about like having 10 days to kind of reorganise was that actually was it a, a decision a conscious decision to kind of play that counter-attacking style no just it just it just gave everyone a breath man, because when you're in the in, in a running like and you're coming on the stretch you know there's a lot of pressure there's a lot of people talking there's a lot of everything going on and and I think once the season finished and we got there, it was kind of a case of everyone just went, okay, we're here now. It doesn't matter how we got here. It, you know, it doesn't matter. We're here. Yeah. It's a new start. And that was kind of the attitude we we, we took, really. Yeah. And then the Brighton home game, we were horrific. And someone nicked a nil-nil in that. Mm. Like how we got, you know, Muzza got injured. Yeah. And, you know, and I know, I don't know how Palace fan, fans feel towards Aaron Wilbraham, but in all honesty, man, if it wasn't for that guy, and I mean it, this club would be nowhere near where it is. And Palace fans can moan and say, well, he we missed all those chances in the playoff final and whatever. Oh, he worked so hard. And no, so hard. I mean, you, you understand, I don't yeah. know if people understand, but for a guy who didn't play all season, yeah. to come off the bench in the semi-final of a playoff, yeah. and that just is a testament to the level of professional that he was, that he kept himself in the condition that he was in, mm. day in, day out, in the gym, worked hard, was a great leader. When you talk about leaders, Albie was unbelievable, he was a real big presence. And he came on and, and the guy just went. Yeah. And then all you know, we were on our knees, you know, we're half gone, we've had a terrible finish of the season, Muzz has gone off, and we're kind of on the pitch going, Oh, here we go. And I remember the first thing Albie did when he came on, he just nailed the Brighton player. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And we all just kind of went Oh, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it was like, and that's the type of leadership we love for. Loved, just, loved him. Yeah, we had a nickname for him. Will Brahimovic. Yeah. yeah and it was just him. like... It's great seeing him play so well for Bristol City yeah, last season and yeah. getting the goals that he deserved. Genuinely, like, genuinely one of the good guys. Like, one of the great... And I, I went on loan when I was 19 to Stockport when I was at Leicester and I played for Albie for three months and then Albie came to Hull. I've known Albie my whole career. <laughs> And he genuinely is one of the good guys. Like, not, I mean, Albie himself isn't the most talented guy in the world, but oh my God, I've never seen anyone at work him day in, day out, on point, every day. And yeah. I like think. Palace fans have got a lot of time for him. Oh, uh, yeah, that's, I, that's. It sounds as though, Rob, you're, you've been overthinking stuff, though, because you, all you're talking about tactics and strategy and players just no, want to see someone, someone come on and nail a bright. <laughs> but it does, it gives you all a lift. It's like, you know, the top scorer's going off and you're thinking, but it's, the same, for, it's the same for the fans when yeah. players do that. You know, when you see, see players digging in like that, oh, it's, it's the same yeah. for us, because we're as, we're as into it and as nervous as anyone else. Okay, next question is from Dan McKinnon. Hi, Dan. He Dan. says, Hello. who's the better guitarist? You, Julian. You, you said Julian. <laughs> you without you. question, man. <laughs> really? Oh, without question. Jules is pretty accomplished. Really? And that's not a slant on me, because I'm actually okay. okay. But Jules is a fairly, like, but Jules has been playing for 12 years, you know, so. Yeah, I've only been playing about two and a half, I'd say. Do you get lessons from Julian? No. 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 <laughs> Julian... Uh, Overthinking again. Julian's got like a whole studio like of... Julian plays drums as well. Really? He's actually a, a better drum uh, drum player than he is a guitar Well, that's player. interesting because Dan McKinnon's got a second part of the question which says, if you two were to form a band, yeah. what would it be called? A boring band, that would be. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, drums and so boring. <laughs> <laughs> Just like... Yeah, like, 
Julie, yeah, Julie, Julie, the red and blue stripes, surely. This is Julian, guitarist and drummer. Yeah. The red and blue stripes. The sash. Where does Julian get the time to play music? Because he never says no to anything, does he? It's always busy, Julian. Oh, he is? Yeah, he's always doing Yeah, stuff. he's always doing, you know, schools and hospitals and visits and things. He's... Wow. <laughs> Way to make me feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he won't do the pod though. Yeah, no one wants to do the pod. Oh, Jules did it? Yeah, he did pod, one, pod 100. Yeah, we had to do it at his restaurant though, so he got yeah. publicity. Well, there you go, man. Yeah. Yeah. I have to do it because Steve offered me one. <laughs> 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 yeah. No bottles take home. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, we've got a question. I actually don't know who asked this one because I've deleted that. But the question is... Thanks. Uh, sorry. Um, who are the players, Damon, that you admired or aspired to be like when you were earlier in your career? Early in my career? Um, Where did you start off as a young, a really young I was young at Les, uh, Cork City in the League of Ireland until I was 19. And then I went to uh, Leicester City, who were in the Premier League at the time. So did you play for them? Yeah, I played eight or nine games in the Premier League. As as a centre back? Uh, as a, I played no central midfield player. Well, who was the manager then? Peter Taylor. Oh, Peter. Oh, Peter. Oh, yeah. So he was your manager Neil. there and at Hull. Yeah. So when he went to Hull, then he took me from um, because Leicester uh, Harry Bassett took over as manager. Yeah. And um, Leicester was wasn't doing pretty good, or they got relegated really pretty that year. Yeah. And I was playing, so I went in alone a lot that year. The, the second year, so the first year I went over, it was the remnant of the leftover of the Martin O'Neill team. You know, that really good Leicester yeah, team. Yeah. You know, the Matty Ellis, Jerry Taggart, Frank Sinclair, Muzzy, yeah, yeah. Robbie Savage, Neil Lennon, uh, Emma Heskey, they were all there. And then once Martin left and took Lenny with him and took Emil with him, uh, Emil, Emil went to Liverpool, I think. And then uh, Neil Lennon went to Celtic and then it kind of just started to disintegrate a little bit. And then I played that year. From Christmas onwards, I played eight or nine games in the Premier League. I was only 19 at the time. In um, midfield, as, as in what? Cent- as a centre midfield man. Defensive? I'd just run around smashing people. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, man. Because that's all I had. <laughs> Feels all I still have 15 years later. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you weren't quite young and goodbye then? Jesus, no. I was like, oh, I was like, the, the, the old Leicester Braves used to call me Chopper. <laughs> that was my, that was, really? you know, yeah, I was quite, yeah, you know, just sheer, Physical. I, just, I don't know, I just run around really, and I think that just, that got me to the point where it gave me a career and then I just kind of learned the rest, <laughs> <laughs> or learning the rest. Okay, well speaking of your career, we've got a question from Chris Emmanuel, Hi, Chris. he says, have you got any intention into going to management? Um, no, but you, you never say never. Open but to no. the future, I guess. So. No. no. Not from at the moment, no. Oh, it's not for me. We've got another question from Will Donnelly. Hi, Will. He says, Why do you wear number 27? Has it got a meaning? Oh, that's a good question. Honestly? Yeah. It was handed to me the day the Sheffield <laughs> Wednesday game. Really? That's how little, like, Brian the old kit man. That's it. And you've never asked to change it, or like it's not really mattered to you. Is that just? It's never been mentioned. If I'm being honest with you. Really? Yeah. It was just. A, I don't know. I, I didn't even know what number he was getting until I came in the changing room before the Chevrolet Wednesday game, and it was. And yet, look at what 27. that number twenty-seven. Is, is what you've done in that number twenty-seven show. Yeah. I, I don't really care about yeah. it. I mean, it's like that's a number, you know. Yeah. It's like it's not. I'm not a superstitious person, so. Yeah, fair enough. You know. 
Okay. Uh, Will Laws. Hello. Says, um, Damien, who's the most underrated striker in the Premier League? But I'm going to open that to maybe the most underrated striker you've come up against. I, I really, really, really like the boy Southampton, um, Saido Main. Mane or Mane, yeah, yeah, is yeah. that his name? Mane, yeah, yeah. yeah he's a good player. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, very good. Handful. Fine. He's one you don't want to play against. He's just relentless. You know, he just, just relentless, and you're just looking, going, mate, just stop, please, <laughs> just slow down. <laughs> you know. Mm. So he's he's a handful. Yeah, a real handful. Got Premier League's fastest ever hat trick. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Gailey, I think Gailey's Dwight Gale we have here as well. I really rate him. I think he's a real good player, man. Really, yeah. really good player. He's similar, you know, and he can finish off both feet, and he's a good, real good player. Man. He's probably the biggest conversation point on the podcast when you're not here is Dwight Gale and why he doesn't start more often or how to get the best out of him. Because he's, he's clearly a really, really good player that doesn't get as many... Just, yeah, he seems like one of those sort of old-fashioned players who would benefit from playing with a big centre-forward, but no-one plays that old-fashioned 4 4 anymore. But we get asked that question every week, is why, you know, why didn't Gale start? Why didn't, so... That's difficult because I mean, of course, of course. to get the best out of game, you got to play two up top and play two up top. You're losing the midfield player, and then you're not going to get any service to him. You're going to lose the midfield battle. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, that's just a dilemma. But, but and he's a good kid as well. He's a real good kid. But he's, he's more often not he scores when he comes on. But the thing that frustrates me is when he does come on late, and he maybe only gets one chance, and he hasn't got to the pace of the game, then he misses it. So then the player, the people that don't rate him. Plays into their hands. You guys read way too much into this. No, some. Well, it's because we haven't got anything better to yeah, do. I think that, yeah, yeah, I think that's kind of what it is. Well, you know? we're, not, we're not fans of that. It's just, it's, yeah, it's a once a week opportunity to ask, to, to get stuck in. It's just what we said, it's the same conversation we have in the pub, basically, without the knobs. Yeah, it is. Pub without the knobs. Okay, so, um, Damien, we've got a lot of questions actually about um, Peter Ramage because you had the uh, combination at centre back for a while. Mm. And people just asking, what well, someone's put, did Ramage do the damage? Don't know what that means. <laughs> but, like, someone's put, are you still in contact? Yeah. Ramage. Did you guys seem like you had a real sort yeah. of connection? Yeah, Ramage in India right now, yeah, he's playing for Caroline Knights. And guess who the manager of Caroline Knights is? Peter Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, so Rab is out there, and Andre Moritz is out playing from Mumbai, oh, yeah. whatever, and, yeah. and Ilk is a manager up there. So they're two guys that um, that I still speak with regularly, like you on had a that weekly basis. At Wembley, didn't you? Where yeah, kind of got all, all got a little bit emotional, I guess. But do you, without like you, you don't want, probably don't want to share what was going on at that point, but. Is that one of those things where it's that mutual kind of no, memory? No, me and Rambo were at QPR together. Yeah. You know, and I think I saw for QPR at the same time Rambo did, and he came down from Newcastle, and he came down from Hull. So the two of us were basically like, so we just lived with each other for a little bit, and then we roomed with each other, and then we just went on a lot of um, uh, lads' holidays, yeah. and me and Rambo used to room together. So we've been through a lot, man. 
You know, we've seen a lot <laughs> in Vegas, me and Ramba, we've had some, we've had some pretty emotional times. That flight back from Vegas, sitting next to Peter Ramage was, you know, both of us are just, <laughs> that's a long flight back from Vegas. You had to reevaluate your whole, like, your life, you're like, I'm the worst person ever. <laughs> so we, we bared our souls to each other. <laughs> and um, yeah, I still speak to him on a weekly basis, you know, and uh He's, I'm pleased for him. He's what he, again one of the good guys, man. Yeah, it was great. He came back for perfect for Julian's game. Wasn't yeah, it? he did. And then that's the type of guy he is. He would go out of his way. You know, he's such a nice, honest, such a nice guy. Like unbelievably nice. Another leader, really. Yeah, Rambo's just. On, I've never heard anyone say anything bad about him. He's just a nice guy, genuinely. Okay, Gareth Jones. Thank you, Gareth. Did not have a question earlier? Yeah. I feel like he already asked. Well, mentioned him. Weird. It's another one. Gareth Jones says, who has the best beard at the club? Joe Ledley, it's man. It's got to be, isn't it? 100%. It's got to be. <laughs> you seen that photo of him? Uh, the, what was it? Some yeah. festival, yeah. Oh, yeah. We can break that yeah, Oh, the festival on the street. Yeah, yeah, Goodwood, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You look really... <laughs> yeah. Is he wearing he a bow tie or something? Oh, he, yeah. <laughs> yeah we can break it through. He always gets his oils and things delivered to the club <laughs> and all of his beard equipment <laughs> delivered and everyone's looking at him going... He's really proud of that, isn't he? he massively, yeah. Well, fair, fair play, it's a great, it's a great beard. It's an awesome beard. Yeah. Yeah. Not for me, man. No, I don't really. Um, I can't sleep with him. I just as soon as he gets to a certain end, I just can't sleep. But you know, Joe's all right. Okay, uh, Tim Harp. Hi, Tim. Um, this question for Damien, but I'm going to open it up to the whole pod as well. It says, if you could have written any song in the world, what would it be and why? It's a strong question. Any song. Sort of, sort of question you notice for really. hmm? You need notice for that question, really. Yeah, you should. Anything by the, you know my answer to this is always Love Will Tear Us Apart by Joy Division or anything by the Smiths after that. Or Farrow's Requiem. That's good. Okay. It would have been nice to have written Glad All Over so that every time you went to a football match, someone would be singing your song. I'm thinking of the royalty, don't you? I'd probably not. I'm not to sing it on stage. There was a live. There's a, they do a live quiz at the end of the festival, Steve. They do it five nights. This is a crowd of 400, but when you take part, you have to choose a song to sing as a band. So I had to do Glad All Over. It's the first time I've sang it in public. So getting 400 people to join in in a, in a room with wooden floors is just fantastic. Yeah. It's a great song. Because everyone sing. knows the words. Oh, don't they? Even, even if even they don't, you just, stamp, you just stamp along. So. I don't know the words. But I just like. <laughs> 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 um, I don't know. Yeah, Clapton song, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, maybe, man. Bob Dylan? Bob Dylan's a good Johnny one. Johnny Cash? I'd uh, probably go with um, Romeo and Juliet, Dirt Straits. Oh, good shout. That's a good song. Yeah, That's a good nice shout. one to have written that. It would be nice to have that. That is a good shout. Andy? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm quite pretentious if I say something jazzy. That's your role on the pod. So uh, something I've kind of believed. So what, by Mark Yeah, that, what, that was Mark Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to call it that. Um, I would say uh, Johnny Cash, Folsom Prison Blues. Good, there we go. Right, okay, Let, we're going to wrap up the questions there, listeners. Thank you very much for your questions. Those were excellent. In part three, we're going to look forward to Palace's next game, which is against Watford. So we'll see you in a bit. Hello, listeners, welcome back to the Five Year Plan podcast. Hey. Pod 150. Sponsored by JC Innovation and Strategy, 
the global research and brand consultancy from South London. Visit jc-is.com and Vector Printing for all your print and embroidery needs. Okay, let me do that again. And Vector Printing for all your print and embroidery needs. Go to vector.co.uk and that's Vector with a Now, Palace have got uh, two games coming up in the next week. We've got Watford away, uh, which we'll get to in a bit, and Charlton at home in the League Cup. Um, Steve, is it... Is a league is a league cup or an FA Cup run on this season? Is that an, is that an ambition for a club? Oh, I think we I think we'd love to uh, to have a cup run. But obviously, if you own a football club, the, the Premier League is is it. Uh, I think even if you, I think if you win the League Cup, the prize money. I mean, yeah, you get in the Europa League, so that's a prize. But the prize money is equivalent to like one place or something in the mm. Premier League. So commercially. That there's very little importance to it, but um, one of the greatest days of my life was going to Wembley for the 1990 uh, FA Cup final, mm-hmm. and it it would be fantastic if Palace could could get to another cup final in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. So I'd I'd love it, but um, you know there's no reason why why not. Um, you need you need two, three, four games where we're, where the draw favours you, and then. Mm-hmm. Then a couple of big results, and you won it. Yeah, it's, it's nice for fans of a lower league team from South London to visit a Premier League stadium every now and again. It's, it's their cup final, isn't it? Remind them of what they're missing. Yeah, because otherwise we, we'd never have played them again. So. No, no. Damien, you were saying all the players are asking about rivalries because they're one of our quote unquote rivalries. Some of the players are asking about where do they fit in. Yeah, after the, the, the Tottenham game, uh, Johan and, and Baco asked me, where does that fit? And I, I just said, I, I put it in the order of Brighton, Millwall, Charlton, mm-hmm. which I think is accurate. Is that yes, yeah, yeah. So I just said that to them, and I think it's a derby game. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I know Steve said that maybe, you know, Honestly, I think it's the next progress for this club is mm. to win a cup. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you might as well say it. We want to win the cup. I want to. I would like to win a cup. Mm-hmm. I got to um, uh, a Carling Cup semi-final with Ipswich um, a few years back. We played Arsenal. We beat them at Portman Road, one uh, nil. And then you're 90 minutes from a cup final. Fortunately, they beat us two nil at the Emirates. Um, so I was that close to to get into a cup final. But um, when we sat down the Saturday year and and uh, spoke with, with, with Steve Parrish about you know what we were trying to do it was pretty high on my list Just, and, I, and I picked the League Cup really because I think the finals in February so you know <laughs> yeah. it's out the way quick yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and it's not going to it's like an FA Cup run you know where it, the finals after the, the, the end of the season might affect your league form um, and then you start missing league games and falling behind, and that can be a little bit difficult. Is that a thing that the cups can? Because they talk about you know, you're, oh, you're, it's you're true, like, because I think you know if you're in trouble and you start falling two or three games behind, and then you're like kind of out the relegation zone by a point, but you've got three games in hand, then all of a sudden you're kind of going, and then you lose one game in hand, you're thinking, oh, hang on a minute, and so you know. Whereas the league cup is, is played midweek, it doesn't affect the league schedule essentially, mm. and the finals in February. So mm-hmm. for me, I, I said that was the one I really wanted to have a right good go at. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an opportunity it's the next step for me this club is retaining Premier League status but if you want to progress then I think you've got to go to the Cups you've got to be taking this League Cup seriously but the League Cup the last is another example a reminder of how far we've come because we played Shrewsbury and there was a day when they were our bogey team back in the 70s 
we couldn't oh, I've be, seen us lose so many times. We, we couldn't beat Shrewsbury for love nor money. It's like the same with London derbies. And the first time we're in Division One, the first London derby we won was the last game of the season when we were relegated against Chelsea. We couldn't couldn't win a London derby for years, Palace. And then they, Steve and I were supporters when Shrewsbury were our bogey team for the love of. And that's just an indication of how far we've. I remember when I first signed with Palace that, that year after Sheffield Wednesday, I think in the first, my first six games, we played Millwall at home, Charlton away, yeah. and Brighton at home. Yeah. And every week it seemed to be Derby. I was thinking, Jesus, how many Derbys is this team? I was like, just signed, and everyone's going, it's a big one today. How many Derbys have you people got? <laughs> so, can I, can I ask you a question? So, you've yeah. played, presumably, Ipswich against Norwich. Yep. Uh, is that is that a really? I mean, presumably that's a pretty big. That's derby, a pretty big derby, yeah. Um, What's the most intense derby you've played in? Would it Hull be Palace, Leeds, Brian? Hull Leeds. Oh really? Yeah, but but for um, Leeds fans wouldn't regard. They Hull, don't care about Hull Hull as their It's rivals. like no, but for Hull it was huge. And I remember when Leeds got relegated to the Premier League and we got promoted from League One. Yeah. And when Hull got to play Leeds on equal terms. Leeds couldn't care less because they said the, 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 the leftovers of that Champions League team that had filled them in the championship mm-hmm. Dominic Matteos and Gary Kellys and all these people were still there mm-hmm. but for Hull it was just like and Hull's an intense city when it comes to like to play football in it's it's really you know those people that's what they live and breathe mm-hmm. for you know so when we got in to play them on parity in the championship at the KC Stadium that was and we beat them 1-0 and that was one that, that's a result that I'll never forget because for the people of Hull, genuinely, that was like one of the biggest days of, of their mm-hmm. their lives. Oh, like I said, the Leeds players couldn't care. The Leeds fans probably didn't really care because they were an ex-Champions League team. But for the people of Hull, that was really important. I remember thinking before we played them that day, it was like, we're not losing this. We cannot, we would never be able to show faces again in, in Hull if we lost to that. Weirdly, in a way, that, that, that's kind of how Charlton are going to approach this cup game, possibly, because Charlton mm. fans seem to kind of care about yeah. that rivalry more than we maybe care about that. Yeah, definitely. I think we care about the result. We do. Like, I, think, I think for us fans, it's, we, we, we might not talk about how Charlton, we're not rivals with Charlton, to, to me personally. I think they're one of those kind of noisy neighbours that you don't really care about oh, this is what I was talking about expectation yeah. and managing it <laughs> but, you know, but you know looking it. down on Charlton I remember when I first signed we played Charlton away and it was a really big deal yeah, we beat yeah, one yeah. at the Valley KG oh, scored yeah. oh I remember that yeah, yeah. yeah that's good goal. So and all of a sudden now you've lost touch with reality yeah. and you're like noisy neighbours so you're one of the yeah. people that needs tempering yeah. <laughs> I think it's one of those things where it was live on telly that it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's one of those things where in the build-up it really doesn't bother me that much but when we beat them I, I love it and that, that's what matters ultimately is winning that game and, and if we can keep going and then turn that into a cup Steve run, mentioned you know. the, the Ipswich Norwich game and the beginning again for me at Ipswich was uh, we played Norwich away in, in the derby uh, live game on TV and uh, we went one down after 10 minutes and I equalised after 14 and got sent off after 15 <laughs> <laughs> And subsequently went on to lose 5 1. Oh. Which squarely got put on my toes. All like, your fault. All like squarely got put on I'll my t- toes. I'll tell you what, I went on an Ipswich forum recently and they actually were all saying how clearly the, the things. I don't went care wrong. what those people think. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's Honestly, amazing. man, they buried they, me after that result. Like, it, it was unforgivable. It was fascinating. They, they genuinely said. Don't tell me because I don't want to Having know, a player man. like you would have made such a big difference. Had they actually stuck with you rather than having stuck with the manager? Yeah, yeah but once you get sent off in the derby game, you lose five one. There's not yeah. long back. No, from that. no, I can imagine. You know, it's like that's. It was just that was it for me. It was yeah. like then you're public enemy number one, and 
anyway, that it is what it is, man. Well, we got you, so we're happy. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, we... <laughs> until I do something, you're not going to get bored of me. You'll get bored of me no, soon, no, don't we're, worry. We're not like the other football fans. <laughs> no, we're, we're, much, we're much more special. Um, okay, so, so Watford, I think, would be a stretch to call that a, a derby, although it kind of technically is in, in geography terms. But um, is I can't it... remember when we lost played them didn't you remember that game it was yeah. quite an important game yeah, yeah, it was a good game yeah, it was a certain match oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> I can't I was thinking what is he going with this <laughs> I don't remember if Damo was playing in that one yeah I and I think at the end he just walked off and went yeah. when it got changed he didn't celebrate in any way I didn't actually I went home there was no photo opportunity for him no <laughs> I've still got an hour and a half unaccounted for that night uh, half seven and nine o'clock yeah mate there's a photograph of me in Leicester Square with somebody and that's it I've got no idea why I was in Leicester Square and now I end up back with so um, if I can pull out a cliche as I like to do on this pod often is it is it a must-win game, or is that is that not not? No. How do we, this, how do we this, approach this one? At this part of the season, there's no. Must win! Come on, man! You and like it's still September. It's yeah. like. So how, so how, do, how does how does Palace approach this? The same way we approach every game, with the same intensity, the same desire, the same game plan, the same everything. We'll do it. Don't worry, and hopefully it'll work on the day. And that's it, man. Well, that's the box. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I must win. Jesus, you people on crack. <laughs> not, not this week. Not this week. Looking at, I think looking at the Premier League, I know it's early days, but I think a lot of fans probably expected Norwich, Bournemouth and Watford to struggle and maybe Leicester. But I think it's the most open Premier League for, for years because I think all the, the big teams are being pushed. I think most of it, I think a lot of football fans expected all three of the promoted teams to struggle and they're not so far it looks like it's probably the most open Premier League for a long time I think I think the six games I know but but it's it's not normally by this stage one of the promoted teams will have had one good result and look like it's important because everybody at some point this year We'll have a spell where you don't win for three games, yeah. no matter how well you play, Chelsea, how well you go. Yeah. And then you, it, it's how well you react to it. And it's the promoted yeah. teams. And can you maintain that belief and the the newness of being in the division and the, the, the showing up to the grounds you haven't played in before mm. and the whole euphoria of it? Because once that wears off and you come in on Monday morning, you've lost three in the spin, then it's you figure out, OK, what are we actually made of? So mm. there's a lot to be tested. Yeah, I think Sunderland and Newcastle will probably come good. I mean, you know, they haven't started very well, but it's only September. There's a lot of dark nights ahead. There's a lot of great victories ahead of us. Yeah. And important is not to get carried away or too depressed, which I know you guys clearly will do both. Managing expectations. No, I like it. I won't, because I'm... High's too high and low's too low, man. <laughs> yeah. That's got, you know. I'm much older than this lot, so I've seen yeah. it all before, so I don't... Couldn't tell. No, I just no, tend to stay. Great. I just tend to stay reasonably morose, and I'm not disappointed. But just enjoy it, man. It's like no, no. I think the thing with Watford though, because they they've played West Brom, Southampton, and Swansea at home. I don't think they've come up against somebody like us. That's going to go for. I mean, they've played against teams that sit in front of them basically, and they won't have played against somebody like us who tries to get the ball forward quickly and at pace. So it should be a really good game. But also, because Watford are one of those teams, I don't think anyone's got any malice towards a sort of slight similar level to us in the no. past. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think everyone kind of is kind of pleased to see them, you know, in the terms of the size of the club, the size of the fan base. 
There's always a good Palace turnout in the way, and yeah, yeah. it's always a good yeah. away trip for Palace. Yeah, always a good atmosphere at Watford. Yeah. It's been a great start of the season for us. We've had one game out of London. Yeah? Yeah. It's awesome, yeah. man. Yeah. You know? Does that make a big difference to you some preparation? No, it's just get home like... quicker, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the Victoria line after Tottenham. I was open at seven stops. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got home quicker from Tottenham than I did from Selhurst. Did you walk to Seven Sisters Cube? Yeah, Tottenham Hill, yeah. Did you? You yeah. walked from the stadium? Yeah, got the... Did any Palace fans... You've been running around for an hour and a half and then you walked to the tube. I get a tube everywhere. <laughs> everywhere, yeah. Did any Palace fans recognise you? No, I think most of them have gone by then. No. By the time we got out, yeah. they, were, they were finished, but... <laughs> Fair enough. Well, yeah, well, it often comes up in this pod, and this is an away game, that that this Palace team and the way play is set up better for away games? Sort of no, containing people? Is that, is, that, no. is that a fallacy? Is that true? That's not true. That's... I had someone ask that at the Fairfield Halls to a manager of a certain thing. Yeah, what have you got to say about that, Kevin? The manager called him an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's the manager right. started by saying that's a layman's question and then said, no, it's an idiot's question. Basically. But that, that <laughs> Matt, you've, you've not held it against that, have you? No, no, but no, it's, no, a, it's, it's, I mean, to, to a non football person, it seems a logical explanation, but it clearly isn't. <laughs> Do you think? Do you think the pitch yeah. at Selhurst has made a difference, like with the, the surface? Really a huge difference. Last year, you could tell. Can never, you can never understand the, the no. that we had last year. So we we played on a in a five side tournament, um, and this I guy, genuinely can. I twisted my ankle on that pitch playing in that five side tournament because you, you put your foot down, and, and that's the reason we didn't win that tournament. There's a lot of weight for me, <laughs> so you put your foot down to go, and the minute you put your weight down, it does that pitch. I just lost it. Huge, huge, yeah. huge. So the new like, can make a big difference. Massively, massively. But this season, touch it's looking good. Proper, it's proper pitch now. It's, yeah. it's, it's ideal. It's is, it, is it wider this season? Was that another Porson's Arms urban myth? <laughs> Palace fans are saying the pitch has been made no, a couple of feet wider. No, man. I know, but I people are saying it's been made a couple of feet wider, but I don't know if that's just... I don't think you can, and it's close enough to the... To mm. the touch line, anyway. But it looks great. I mean, It's it, a good it looks, surface. It's a solid yeah. surface, and the, yeah. the grass is, is, is quite... The, the, Training always made a big difference because right. we've had two, two, three pitches coming on soon at the training ground. So now we're training on proper pitches, whereas all along we weren't. Mm. The pitches at the, the training ground were quite bad, but fairness to the guys, they put in three, three brand new pitches for us. So you get a real good surface. Um, you and know where the money came from, don't you? Through paying you not enough when you first came. Yeah. The money still yeah. perished. That's what made the difference. Yeah. meant we could buy the pitch yeah. so well done Damien thank you <laughs> you'd all be happy with the pitch wouldn't you <laughs> <laughs> pitch will give you way more fun enjoy it than I will um, yeah. good okay well folks I mean that, that kind of brings us to the end of after we do school predictions are we going to we, we sometimes do we sometimes don't do we feel like doing this week or? not when one of the players is here no. probably not okay, fine. <laughs> I um, reckon Damien will score we've got some we got some admin. Oh, we have got some admin. So um, our graphic designer from the fanzine, Jesse Boyce, has, has mocked up some very nice fanzines. Uh, sorry, some prints from the fanzine last year where Damien was on the front cover. Um, and Damien's going to sign one of those and we're going to auction it off for charity. And the charity Rob is... Yeah, it's Robert, uh, Eaton Robert Eaton Memorial Fund. Um, on behalf of Jacob, who passed away in the Shoreham Air disaster. Fantastic. Yeah. So, so go on the FYP Twitter, which is twitter.com slash FYP Fanzine, to find out more about that. Uh, and the website, which is fypfanzine.uk, uh, to let you know how you can auction for that and, and, and get involved. And just, just to give some story to that, it's pure, uh, Jacob is someone that we, that we actually played. Uh, and I know that, that you played against him. Yeah, my uh, son Steve's, Ben played against yeah, him. Yeah. Son, son played against him, and unfortunately he, he passed away during the, uh, 
as a result of the Shaw Mayor disaster. So we feel that that's a great way to raise money for him. Well, it also shows as well that we talked about rivalries earlier. And, you know, Renfrew's a Brighton charity, but it matters a lot. It, for us. Yeah, but it means, but for, you know, life is more important than Definitely. football, as it turns out. So you yeah. you rise above rivalries Definitely. when it comes to things like that. And it's a very worthwhile charity. Yeah. Um, so I said, so Damien, thank you very much for joining us on the pod. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, I, I think so also thank it. you for being so honest. You may not have realised how honest you were, but thank you for being. <laughs> So what is it? No, no, but we realise how difficult it is for players because it's hard. It's, you know, it's difficult for players to come into an environment like this. So I think we we thank you very much for doing that. I don't do it very often, so enjoy oh, that. No. And I'll, I probably won't do it. And again. thank you. <laughs> 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 well, yeah, we really appreciate it. So thank you. Very much. And, uh, as we appreciate Steve's hospitality. Yeah, of course. Of course. We do. Well, my wine anyway. Yeah, we have to. Yeah. Your water's nice, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He is drinking Badwell, he really is. <laughs> and uh, chaps, the rest of you, obviously, always, we always appreciate you being on. Uh, listeners, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week after Watford. So goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.